All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and welcome to the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Justin News. Yes, we made it to Friday, and we did it by having like three or four scoops on Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Ukraine, all the things we were denied the truth about a few short years ago when we went through the impeachment process of Donald Trump. We're learning so much. I've got another one today, but before we get to that, I want to tell you who we have on today's show. We've got a great show. A lot of people saw this story. In fact, it went bonkers on our site for like a whole day or two. It was running at the top of our site. The Convention of the States movement, the self-governance movement, the effort to force a convention of all 50 states to meet and make changes to the Constitution, to the federal government, it has reached its halfway point to approval. It needs 34 state legislatures to approve the request for a convention. They got to 17 in the last week, thanks to Wisconsin and Nebraska uh, joining in. And there are other states like Iowa, South Carolina, and West Virginia that are moving quickly. This momentum is building this movement, which began eight and a half years ago, is gaining steam as people get tired of the COVID restrictions. They see the failures of government from Afghanistan to the pandemic, and they're looking to return power to the people and to the states and away from a massive centralized Washington government. And the man who started it all, the former Tea Party founder, who then began this ambitious effort to get state after state after state to approve a request for a convention, is joining us today. His name is Mark Meckler. You know him. He's been on the show before. A very important voice in conservative politics. The man behind this movement, which is accelerating every day. We're going to have an amazing interview with Mark Meckler in just a few seconds. Explain what the convention is, how it works, why do we got to get the legislatures to do it, who's next, and what's the ultimate goal and outcome of this movement. It's going to be a great interview. And then my great colleague, Eric Kliegman, who joined us just a few months ago. He's one of our great investigative enterprise reporters, one of the top people in all of journalism. He's joining us, and we're going to talk about some of the stories he broke. There is one that is very chilling. You probably saw this because it got a lot of attention and traffic on our website. But the Postal Service, you know, the people that deliver our mail, they've been buying 
hacking devices to hack into cell phones. Why does our postal service, even its inspection division, need that technology? Erin Kliegman's gonna tell us what's up with that. Why, when, where, and who's concerned about it. Bipartisan concern, by the way, about it. All right, that's our show today. We've got a great show. Reminder, I also have a TV show now. I'm so blessed to work with Amanda Head, my co-host and Real America's Voice, our great partners every night, 6 p.m. on Real America's Voice. Now, how can you watch it? Well, you can watch it on Dish Network, Channel 219. You can watch it on the Pluto Network, the internet-based television network a lot of people love, Channel 240. If you've got a Roku stick or Roku on your television, you can use the Real America's Voice app there to watch it. You can download the Real America's Voice app on the Apple and Android stores, the iOS and Google stores, and watch it on there. You could watch it on the Just the News app. How do you do that? You click on the watch button down the right. All of our TV shows come up. It's called Just the News, Not Noise. That's the one you click on. Watch every night from 6 p.m. on. That's exciting. And I'm told you can get it on our website by going on the TV tab, clicking on the TV tab, and go there. If you have a Samsung Smart TV, it's on there. Real America's Voice and the app is on the forefront of the Samsung TV. Very exciting to have all of that. Watch us. We've got a great show tonight. Some people say, well, why watch the show? And here's the answer. We break news a lot of times in the show. We actually, the news actually breaks on the show even before I can get it up on the website. And that happened last night. Such an important story. It's been trending all day. Members of Congress, others have been talking about it. But last night on the Just the News Not Noise show on Real America's Voice and then on Just the News itself, the website, we broke this very important story. A story that reaffirms what a lot of you keep talking about, that we are building a dual system of justice. One for everyday Americans and conservatives and one for elitists and liberals. And the best example of that most important, powerful example of that is the case of Hunter Biden's business partner, Devin Archer. We've talked a lot about him in the context of Ukraine because he was on the board of Burisma with Hunter Biden. But Devin Archer is a crook. He's convicted. He's been convicted by a jury of securities fraud, fleecing a Indian tribe, a poor Indian tribe, in fact, out of about $60 million, according to prosecutors. All right. He was charged in 2016. He was convicted in the summer of 2018. We are now in 2022. He is still not sentenced to prison. He's roaming free. But not only that, not only is he roaming free, he's roaming the globe. He's traveling globally. He has gone on 41 trips approved by the trial judge in his case. He's going to Jamaica to vacation for Thanksgiving. He's going to Italy, Beijing, Hong Kong, Turks and Caicos. That's not a bad place to go, the islands. He's globetrotted to Ukraine, to Kazakhstan. 41 trips in all. Mexico, Spain, Hong Kong, London, the money laundering capital of the world, Latvia, Singapore, the French Antilles. 41 trips each time the judge in his case has approved letting him skip the country, go take an exotic trip for either business or work, unlike what most defendants get. What do most defendants get? Well, they get treated like the January 6th defendants or Paul Manafort and Rick Gates, two of the people arrested and convicted in the Russia collusion Robert Mueller case. Who is the judge that's letting this Hunter Biden pal get the sort of things that most defendants don't get? Well, her name is Judge 
Ronnie Abrams. Now, if the name Abrams sounds familiar in the legal world, it should. Her dad was the famous First Amendment lawyer, Floyd Abrams. Her brother is the famous TV legal analyst, Dan Abrams. You see him on television opining about cases. I think he even has his own sort of over-the-internet TV network now. Now, here's the most amazing thing. Abrams has done this. Lots of people are talking about it today. Who is Ronnie Abrams' husband? Hmm, good answer. Wait till you hear this. Ronnie Abrams' husband is the prosecutor on the Robert Mueller case who took away the passports. I'm not making this up. Took away the passports for people like Manafort and Rick Gates. I interviewed Rick Gates and he said, listen, Greg Andrus, Judge Abrams' husband, former Mueller prosecutor, quote, I wish I could tell you I'm surprised by this revelation, but I'm not, Rick Gates told me. During the Mueller probe, my passports were confiscated by Greg Andrus with the special counsel's office. My wife's passport was also confiscated. It's important to note his wife wasn't accused of any wrongdoing, which I later learned was highly irregular and unethical. No doubt an attempt at intimidating our family. Many months after the final Mueller report was issued, the judge in my case ordered my passport to be returned. It took several weeks to find out that the Mueller team had lost it. The passport was lost. How about that? That is the husband. We want to talk about two systems in one family. A judge treats Hunter Biden's pal one way and Paul Manafort and Rick Gates another way. Now, a lot of people are reacting to this. Cash Patel, who's a former federal prosecutor, comes on the show often, said it's simply unheard of for a convicted felon facing years in prison to be permitted to gallivant around the world. Ron Johnson, Just in case anyone needs further evidence that we do not have equal justice under the law, the accommodations made for Hunter Biden's convicted business partner, take the cake. Take the cake. Listen to that. If you're a powerful Democrat, Ron Johnson says, you get kid glove treatment. If you're a Republican or ordinary citizen, you better watch out. This story's been trending all day. It's the latest in a long series of stories we broke all week long, exposing Hunter Biden, Biden Inc., Ukraine, Russia, favoritism, conflicts of interest, undercutting of U.S. policy. You've remembered all the stories we broke this week. I'm so grateful you've been reading them. We broke this story on the TV show last night, and then we wrote this story for you to read this morning on Just the News. I hope you enjoy it. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, yep, you got it. Mark Meckler's joining us right after this. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious field of greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer. No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, 
Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. This next guest is one of my favorite guests. For eight and a half years, I have watched him build a national self-governance movement, uh, getting state by state to sign on to the idea of having a convention of the states. His name is Mark Meckler. I first met him when he um, founded the Tea Party Patriots. Since then, he has been the driving force uh, behind a a remarkable movement in America towards federalism and self-governance. Joining me right now, Mark Meckler. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be with an old friend, John. (laughs) It is indeed. And um, what a week. Not one, but two states in a week sign on to the Convention of the States. Talk about how important uh, that is that we now have into the the lineup, Wisconsin. And um, uh, that was the last one, I guess, that came in. uh, And Nebraska. Where do you think this is going? And is this starting to get some acceleration? Yeah, it really is accelerating. With Wisconsin and Nebraska last week, that takes us across the halfway mark, 17 out of the 34 necessary states to get to convention. Also one that's not getting reported on as much because it's not quite finished, but we are moving right now, which is last week also the South Dakota House passed it out. And that was kind of an unexpected victory. That committee has been challenging for us. I didn't necessarily expect to get out of committee, but the momentum is there. This idea of the states have to take back their ability to govern themselves. So Last week, you get first Wisconsin on Tuesday. In between, you get South Dakota coming out of committee straight to the floor, pass it through the House, and then we finish the week with Nebraska. All of these, a lot of years coming. So I think there's a lot of momentum. I'll be doing an Iowa committee hearing uh, this week, which I expect to pass out of subcommittee in Iowa. We've got South Carolina and North Carolina have both already passed it out of their houses, and they're in the Senate. South Carolina, I'm expecting to see final passage mid-February I'm looking at right now. 
West Virginia, uh, we have the speaker's support. He signed on. We've passed it in the Senate multiple times. We've just struggled in the House. I expect to see that pass in the next couple of weeks in West Virginia. A lot of stuff is looking really good. I'm really struggling to keep track of all the stuff that's happening right now. It, it is amazing. And and um, I want to get into how we got to this moment of momentum in a second. But first, for some listeners who may not know what the self-governance movement is or what the Convention of the States is, why don't we just do a little quick tutorial. So describe the principle of self-governance, federalism, and why a Convention of the States is one of the you know, seminal driving tools that the movement can use. Well, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time, going all the way back to the Tea Party movement, and I was one of the co-founders of the largest Tea Party organization. Right. And what I realized after 2010, that class came in, they were the biggest swing class since 1938, and they literally accomplished nothing. And I realized we had a different problem. The problem wasn't personnel, the problem was structure, and we were going to need to fix the structure in the country. There's a secondary problem, which I think underlies all of this, which is I felt like we had lost this idea of self-governance. What makes America unique is our, yeah, our structure makes us unique, but it's our national psyche. It's this idea that we, the people are sovereign. This is unique in any system of government in the entire world. We don't get our rights from the government. Our rights come from God and we delegate some of our authority to our government. They're limited by our founding documents, you know, by the declaration and then ultimately by the constitution That means we're in charge. It says we, the people, right, at the beginning. And so this idea that we actually have the power and that it's up to us to exercise the power personally in our own lives, we're responsible in our churches and synagogues, in our communities, in our states, and ultimately we're responsible for the nation. That's what the self-governance movement is all about, letting people understand, making sure people understand and really grasp and embrace the idea that they are actually in charge of their lives but it's not some government authority far away. So that's the underlying idea of self-governance. And for me, what that led into was a structure idea. We had broken the structure of our system. It wasn't a personnel problem in DC. It was that we had changed the structure, uh, the very structure of how our government operates. Mostly that's been done through the courts. You know, people say our constitution is just fine. And I would say that's true if we lived under the original constitution, but I have sitting here on my desk, the Constitution of the United States of America, I ordered it from the government publishing office. It's over 3,000 pages. It contains every single case ever issued by the Supreme Court. And for the most part, the cases that we don't like are the ones that are just give the federal government more and more power. So there is a structure issue. And the way we fix that structure is we call a convention under Article 5 of the United States Constitution, get the states together, and the states propose amendments to limit the power of the federal government. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about the Article 5 movement and Convention of States. Yeah, such an amazing, amazing moment. And now I want to get into all the forces that made this sudden acceleration because this has been a slow and gradual process and it is definitely accelerating at a rapid rate. Um, It seems to me that the rise of Joe Biden's big government solution, hey, you like me, I'll make Washington effective and we'll fix your lives, which didn't turn out to be the promise we wanted. And COVID-19 particularly 
those moments seem to awaken people that this monstrosity of government in Washington had become so out of control, it was literally affecting every aspect of our life, including our personal freedom. Has uh, that been the big uh, kerosene on the fire in the last uh, 24 months? It has certainly added to it. You know, we, we have 5 million people plus in the organization. And so we were out there. We we're certainly in force in the field. That's not near enough people. We have about a thousand people on average join the organization a day. But to speak exactly what you're talking about, here's a perfect example. When Joe Biden gave his vaccine mandate speech, that day over 20,000 people joined the organization. So you're trying a 20x jump, almost crashed our servers. We did no advertising. Now, I went out there after the fact, John, and I know you know sort of the, the ecosystem better than anybody else out there. So you always look at where's your traffic coming from, right? I mean, what happened? If you get the sudden spike in traffic, where is it? Who talked about you? And the answer was we found out. I dug and dug and dug. It came from everywhere. There wasn't a source. There weren't two or three sources. It's just because Joe Biden said what he said, everybody started looking for alternative ways to rein in the federal government, and they ended up coming to convention of state. It is remarkable. And you are 5 million strong now, which is, such, I mean, that's the largest grassroots organization that I know of in the conservative movement. Um, what drives everyday Americans to spend time on this project? And, and also, how do they help? I mean, when you're trying to get something through the South Dakota House or, or get it through the West Virginia House, uh, how does this grassroots army become so valuable in, in intersecting with the legislators who make this decision? Yeah, I'll start with why first. You know, I think what we have found is what I would call the sweet spot of grassroots organizing. And the reason it's the sweet spot is if I say to a grassroots activist, hey, you should run for city council or you should care what goes on at your county board of supervisors. Like, yeah, but, you know, Mark, I got soccer practice with the kids. I got a job. I got Bible study on Wednesday night. They, they just can't get into it. And it's because I'm not presenting them with a big enough vision. What we say with Convention of States is you can get your hands around the throat of the federal government and stuff it back in the constitutional box. You don't need Biden's permission. You don't need Congress's permission. You don't need the court's permission. This is where you can actually have an effect. So people get this big, exciting, what I describe as a sexy political vision. It's national it's threatening the federal government, which is what they want to do. And then where it actually works, where the rubber hits the road, is the only way to do it is on the ground locally. And so what our local grassroots activists do is they actually contact their legislators. We have a whole system. They get plugged into a convention of states. They send emails. They text. They call. They go to town hall meetings all over their state. They go to the state legislature. Last week I was in Iowa. We had over 300 people show up in the state legislature you know, biggest turnout they've had in years in the state legislature in Iowa. Rick Santorum was there with me. Right. So, so it's actually what we're doing is we're teaching citizens how to influence the legislative process in their states. Such an important process. And it, it seems as though everyday Americans who have such a busy life, right? We're taking the kids to soccer games. We got uh, work and, and all the different things that clutter our lives. But more and more people are taking a pause and realizing, you know what? We've got to get back involved in our government and in our politics and our voting because we don't like what happened at the school board. We don't like what happened in COVID in Washington. We don't like $30 trillion of debt. Um, do you see a citizen's movement towards more civic engagement like maybe we haven't seen in a few decades? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was there at the heart of the Tea Party movement. Yeah. And I would, I would argue what's going on today is much bigger. It's much more robust. It's much more mature. 
one of the things I really love about it, you mentioned school boards. We're heavily involved in school board races all across the country. You are. We just helped, we just helped win two seats on the Houston ISD, seventh largest school board or school district in the nation, took two very liberal seats and turned them conservative. I think that's a, a harbinger. These school board races are super important, not just for school boards. They're important because of our kids. Make yeah. no mistake. But what we're seeing, John, are people who are 28, 29, 30, 35 years old getting actively engaged in politics. And once they realize, I can make a difference, like we took our school board, we changed policy, then they look outside and they say, well, what about city council? What about the county? What about the state legislature? So I think we're going to see an entire generation of young people who believe that power should be local rise up into politics. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And um, you can feel it. I've been covering politics for 35 years. This is unlike any moment in my adult journalism career, watching what's going on right now. And it seems as though it lines up into something really big. Let's ask, you get the necessary 34 states. Let's say we this finishes it and crosses the line. What will a convention of the states achieve? What should it achieve to restructure this country? So there are three things that the convention will consider. This is what every state is passing the same resolution. One, anything that would impose fiscal restraints on the federal government. So that would include things like a balanced budget amendment, taxing caps, spending caps. Maybe those things are tied to GDP or population plus inflation. It'll potentially include restricting the federal government to generally accepted accounting principles. I mean, we all know they have no principles, but they actually don't use any accounting principles. Then the second thing is anything that would impose structural uh, scope and jurisdictional restraints on the federal government. And by that, I mean things like going back to the enumerated powers. No, you can't be involved in education, can't be involved in energy, the environment, things that they were never intended to be involved in, education at the local level, health care. These are things the American people are frustrated by, feel like the federal government is intruding in their lives. They could get the federal government out that way. And then the last thing is anything that would impose term limits on federal officials. That language really matters, not just Congress. Congress, yes, absolutely, 80% and 85% of Americans support that. But also now what we know is the deep state, staffers and bureaucrats who really run things, they should be term limited as well, and perhaps in the federal judiciary. So those are the things that will be discussed at a convention of states. Yeah, such an important moment. I, yeah, I think there... You know, I, I remember the 1990s where there was actually an effort to shrink some of the government. We got to a balanced budget with Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton. Uh, we had things like workfare to maybe get the permanent welfare state addressed. And then fear struck with 9-11. And we created a monstrosity called the Department of Homeland Security, and we blew up government in ways we couldn't imagine. Two decades of war. And then the second fear moment in my lifetime struck uh, a real pandemic with no real Uh, seeming federal expertise to address it and another usurping of our freedoms occurred and the government blew up again Uh, how do we get to a point where these moments of fear and emotion don't create irrational explosions in government and irrational rescissions of our personal freedoms yeah i think federalism is the way you know you mentioned federalism early on that's our system of government that is so unique and the idea of federalism is that we do a few things together because those things are necessary on the international stage. There are some things only a federal government can do. You know, if you're talking about a national rail system, a national highway system, national air traffic control, these are things that have national implications no matter what. International trade, international relations, those are the things that are the enumerated powers in the United States Constitution. I think there are 19 of them. 
Those are the only things that the federal government is supposed to do. Everything else was supposed to be left to the people and the states. Yeah. And so this idea of federalism, of essentially breaking the country apart again, governing locally, that's what's going to make us not give in here. Because you, as you see, Ron DeSantis didn't give in. Perhaps you could say to some extent Governor Abbott didn't give in and some other states around the country. We need to do that with almost everything we can, drive it back to the states, let the states act individually. Yeah, that's that's such a remarkable concept. It's exactly what our founding fathers intended. And over the last few uh, uh, centuries, or certainly the last few decades, we've gotten further and further away from the intent of our founding fathers. And now this moment with you leading it is really moving it back. You have, you've mentioned some warriors. And I think, you know, when you started your movement in 2012, there were a lot more what I would call country club Republicans in the helm. And today there are a lot more, I don't know if they're Tea Party Trumpist uh, type uh, leaders, but you've got the DeSantis's and you've got the Abbott's and you've got, you know, Ken Paxton, who is, you know, going up against Joe Biden on every imaginable extension of federal power. Do, is this new generation of political leaders really uh, an accelerant in the, because they have not only the persona, they have the same perspective you do. It's time to shrink federal government. Yeah, I think we are seeing a new generation come up. And, you know, Ken Paxton, full disclosure, personal friend here in Texas. I think he is one of the greatest warriors in America today. And by the way, under assault in a primary by country club Republicans. Yeah, George P. George P. Bush, right? Yeah, George P. Bush running and others. And honestly, nobody's going to do a better job as AG than Ken Paxton is. So so we've got that going on. You're going to see the blue bloods push back. But the reality is, you know, you look at DeSantis, he doesn't seem to care what the blue bloods think, and he seems like a regular guy. I think what you're saying is the rise of the regular guy. I saw a study recently that I thought was really interesting. Right now, you have more people without political experience running and winning races for Congress than ever before in modern American history. So I think what we're seeing is people raise their hand and saying, all right, I'm going to do it because this thing's such a mess. I think we're going to see a lot more of it in the near future, John. It's yeah, it definitely sees. Uh, this is a trend. You're seeing a new type of Republican, and quite frankly, the Republican Party is is remarkably transformed. It is a different party, uh, post Tea Party, post Donald Trump. Uh, in fact, it hardly resembles the party of George W. Bush, and yet it has more energy and it's inviting in more new members. I want to ask you about minority Americans because it seems as though they're getting engaged in this, particularly at the school board level. Uh, Hispanics, African Americans, they've been, you know, always assumed oh, that's the Democratic Party's core constituency, but they seem to be moving towards conservatism uh, in a big way. What's the dynamic causing that right now? Yeah, I mean, to me, this is one of the most exciting things in American politics right now. And and we poll this regularly with the Trafalgar Group, Robert Cahaley. And one of the things I'm seeing in the crosstabs, and I know you report on those polls a lot, John. Is I'm we do. We love your polls. They're so interesting. <laughs> well, if you look at the crosstabs, one of the things I'd encourage you to keep looking at is where Hispanics are yep. and where the African-American community is. Because what I'm seeing is that the Biden administration and Democrats are losing them on almost every single issue. And so I think what's driving it really is that the fault line has become so obvious. Democrats have become so radical that everybody is challenging their own preconceived notions. Yeah. They're watching the Democrats say things like men are women, women are men, both are neither. They're 57 genders and they're all fluid. And people who have been lifelong Democrats might even describe themselves as liberal are looking at them saying, wait, that's nuts. Right. And, and they're they're black, they're Hispanic, they're Asian. 
They might have these preconceived notions that they're not Republicans, but they're really being driven away by the Democrat Party. One of the best polling numbers I saw that was so stunning to me, you know, the African-American community statistically was the hardest hit by COVID. And we ran a poll recently, and the question was something like, do you believe that the federal government has a continuing role to play or an important role to play in fighting COVID? And when we broke down the crosstabs and we looked at the African-American community, the people who said that it was very important for the federal government to play a role, 0.0%. Literally nobody. And so here's their pitch to the African-American community. We're going to take care of you on COVID. And black people are saying, wait, what? We, we, we need jobs. Yeah, <laughs> the economy exactly. is exactly. Inflation is terrible. Crime is out of control. You're defunding the police. And you want to talk to us about COVID. We're not interested. Yeah, the the Democrats have created maybe 20 bridges too far now, and I think that's the backlash. There was another fascinating dynamic when you dug into the otherwise very predictable New York City election. Everybody knew Eric Adams was going to win. That wasn't a question. But when you drive in, you see a large number of Chinese Americans in the New York City mail race tipping towards Republicans in, in levels we've never seen. And I've been talking to a lot of people about this because it's. I think it also drives some of the Hispanic vote. People who've immigrated here legally from countries where communism and socialism strangled their families for generations, and they come to America, and the last thing they want to see is a big government socialism, big government communism in America. Uh, Asian Americans and, and uh, Hispanic Americans particularly come from those sort of uh, socialist countries, many of the immigrants. Is that another dynamic in the in the community? People are starting to see an America under Joe Biden that looks socialist like those Latin American puppet governments that we always were criticizing. Yeah, that's definitely a dynamic. I travel a lot. I've been in 48 states in the last few years, uh, now 18 states in the last 90 days. Almost every time I speak publicly, somebody from one of those countries, an immigrant, first generation, second generation immigrant comes out to me and they usually actually are chastising me (laughs) and they're saying, you don't understand how bad it is. You think this is what they say. I hear this all the time. You think you're becoming a socialist country. You're not. You're on the road to totalitarianism. I came from a country like that. I know what it looks like. I was there when we lost our country. My parents suffered. My siblings suffered. My family's still there. And they're, they're angry as at me as a symbol, but everybody like wake up because we're becoming a totalitarian country. So I do think that's an important dynamic. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that I think are, are coming together all at once. Um, we talked about the states that are imminent. You could be at two dozen by the end of the year with all of the different things going on. Are you, are you getting closer to that 24 mark, you think? Yeah, I mean, my goal right now, my, my slogan for, for this week at least is 22 and 22. Uh-huh. I think that could be 23 or 24, but I'm really shooting hard for 22 this cycle. Yeah. And then to get the final 12, the, 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 the final dozen, uh, what, uh, what needs to happen? What sort of growth uh, in education? And if people are inspired by what you're doing and agree with all of this, how can they help get involved in this movement to get it over the finish line? Well, they can find out all about it at conventionofstates.com, and that's where they can get signed up. And I think what needs to happen is that we just need more people to know, John. It's so funny to me. It's encouraging and frustrating. I go out and I talk about this, and people look at me incredulously, and they say, I've never heard of this. Why have I not heard of this? This is fantastic. This is something I want to do, but I've not heard about it. And the answer is, you know, it's hard to get something out nationally. We have 350 million people in this company, country. There's a lot of media noise. It's expensive to advertise. Uh, So that's really the the key is just more people need to know about it because almost everybody 
if you ask the question, who should decide Washington, D.C., or you at home, they say me. So I think it's really just as we continue to expand our base, word of mouth will spread it. We're starting to do more advertising. Uh, we've got donors who are putting in budget to do some big-dollar advertising. I think that's part of what we're going to see in the growth, and that's what's going to take us to 34. Yeah, Boy, it's hard to believe it was 2012 when this all started, but uh, you, one man, and, uh, and, and a mission, it has grown into 5 million uh, people strong, and, and uh, this year has seen such acceleration. Congratulations for everything you're doing, Mark, and we're going to stay on top of the story because it is actually changing America, literally changing America. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. And honestly, look, credit where it's due, number one, to God, number two, to the grassroots. Like, I'm, like you said, one man, that's all I am. And really, this is a movement that's made up of really hundreds of thousands, ultimately millions of grassroots folks across the country. That's who are making it happen. That's who's, who are going to get it done. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, it's uh, an honor to watch this and cover this. It's such a fascinating story. And we're right in the middle of it uh, at the halfway point now. So I'm sure we'll get you back on soon on the show, Mark. Thanks a lot. Thank you, John. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, my good colleague Eric Kliegman's here. He's going to talk about some of the news that broke on Just the News this week. Stay tuned. We're going to have a fun conversation right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. My next guest joined Just the News just a couple of months ago, but he's already had an enormous impact on uh, our daily report on breaking big stories that people can't stop talking about. In fact, he was the reporter that was first to report that the Convention of States had reached its halfway point. We just talked to Mark Meckler about that. Joining me right now, my great colleague, great investigative reporter, Aaron Kliegman. Uh, Aaron Kliegman. Aaron, great to have you on the show. 
Thanks so much for having me on, John. Happy to be here. Ah, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, the, we talked a lot already about this on the show, but I just say, you know, well, you got the chance to write this story that these two states, Nebraska, Wisconsin, jumped in. It looks like a lot more states are accelerating towards this. Uh, the story took off for two days. There were just, at one point, there were like 2,000 people a minute coming into the site trying to read that story. Uh, what about the Convention of the States movement fascinates people? Well, it's funny. I was thinking about it because I think for a lot of younger Americans, the constitutional amendment process seems like some it's a, high, a section in a high school textbook or something. It hasn't been amended to the Constitution since 1992. It seems like some arcane process. But I think you saw starting, especially with the Tea Party movement, um, especially in the political right in this country, um, there was kind of a yearning to um, get back to the Constitution, that a sense that we were sort of going off track. I think that, that was a large sentiment among a, a section of the public. And I think people are still fascinated by it. People still, a lot of people revere the Constitution and they have a sense that there is this movement that's nationwide that some people might have not heard about, but clear, clearly it's making progress. So a lot of people do know about it and uh, a sense that it's a big deal. Amending the Constitution is a, an important thing that can have very real world effects on people's lives. And I think uh, a lot of people have some sense of that. And it's not something you see every day. Yeah. Oh, it's really remarkable. And um, and I think there's a general sense, too, in the country that Washington's got big enough now and maybe it's time to let the states have a crack at things that, that Washington fumbled. And such a fascinating dynamic uh, to watch all that come into focus. Speaking of getting bigger or getting more intrusive. You had an amazing story earlier this week on the Postal Service buying this technology that allows them to hack into iPhones. This is the Postal Inspection Service, so the investigative arm of the Postal Service. Why does the Postal Service need to be able to hack Americans' phones? It's a good question. It's one reason why I wanted to explore the story to ask. I think there's a couple of things here. First, it's unclear which so the well let me back up so the postal invest and um inspection service has said uh admitted actually in their um in uh, official annual reports that they've hacked into literally hundreds of phones um extracting information from them and this uh information or this technology is essentially a workaround so um to get around encryption so they can copy what's on your phone and there's they can't really separate out what they might be looking for from what's personal. So photos with your family, is they're inevitably going to see that, whatever else, even things you think are deleted. It's So it very much, um, you know, front row seat into, into your lives. But it's right. unclear, and I wanted to ask the inspection service, how do you determine which investigations warrant um, this kind of using this technology and what doesn't? Is there sort of a bar of what's more serious? And they didn't, uh, they didn't tell me. They, they didn't address that question. They said that they um, use lawful constitutional measures, they get a warrant, but they would not say how they determine what investigations and crimes are worthy of this and not. But it also raises the question, a lot of people wonder, why does the Postal Service in the first place need to have a law enforcement arm doing this stuff? A lot of activities, um, civil liberties experts, others, law enforcement experts will say, it kind of falls under the jurisdiction of of the FBI, some other potential agencies. So it does raise the question of sort of, it seems one, one person told me actually, he described it as weird and bizarre that, that the inspection uh, service, postal inspection service is doing this. So it's an interesting story. I'm definitely going to keep looking into it because it's, 
it looks like they're they've only expanded their use of this technology to look into people's phones and i think the american people have a right to know what's going on yeah it's it's amazing a big story a lot of people read that and are still talking about it it's uh it's pretty crazy you had a way uh there was a i would just call it you know a commodity news story uh whoopi goldberg gets suspended for two weeks for some comments he made about the holocaust calf but you did something pretty fun you actually tied it to the anti-defamation league which of course always has been famous for fighting anti-semitism but we weren't paying attention to this the adl has gone a little bit woke and changing some of its definitions. Talk about how the ADL got caught crossways in the Whoopi Goldberg uh, Holocaust comments. Sure. So for the ADL used to have a definition of racism, an official definition. It was on their website that was pretty standard. It's believing one race is superior or inferior to another, kind of what the average person understands racism to be. But it's this was only really uh, highlighted uh, recently but actually the change was made in uh, the summer of 2020 uh, during uh, the George Floyd riots, which I think actually is um, relevant to the context because they changed the definition to the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. So I think it appears that the ADL has changed its definition of racism such that it can only benefit white people and can only be uh, perpetrated racism that is against people of color. And I think um, critics have said this kind of fits in with the critical race theory ideology and it's people have said it's woke, uh, motivated, motivated by left-wing ideology. You know, the readers can decide for themselves, but this is, uh, it caused a lot of uproar. And if you look at what Whoopi Goldberg said that initially that the Holocaust was not based on race, it's historically incorrect, but if you actually look, because the Nazis did, you know, in their in their own uh, worldview, they saw the Jews as a separate and inferior race. That's just what their writings and and uh, speeches said. But the definition would indicate that because Whoopi uh, was saying this is an example of essentially white on white crime. That's that was really the right. motivation behind her initial statement. And so, if you look at the ADL's definition then it's not like the Jews weren't victims of racism in the Holocaust based on like, so then Whoopi Goldberg is ironically proven right by the ADL's own definition, which is even more striking considering the ADL CEO and national director, Jonathan Greenblatt, very loudly and publicly criticized Whoopi Goldberg for initial statements. So it's just kind of, it's showing there's clearly um, the ADL's own definition and what, for whatever the motivation was with their, their new definition, it's backfiring against them. And I would, I think, seems to be counterproductive, frankly. Yeah, it, it, it definitely got a lot of attention. People were talking about it, and it, it was literally, I don't think a lot of people knew. We've seen the Salvation Army, the Anti-Defamation League, all of these sort of blue chip, everybody in America loves them organizations, and then all of a sudden they've been going woke, and, and some of these changes are causing them pain in their core constituency. It's actually disconnected them from everyday Americans, and uh, you've just done a great job, I think, diving into that and catching that dynamic, and I think the Whoopi Goldberg moment gave us that. You also are really a true subject expert on all things uh, Middle East security. And I want to uh, throw a couple things at you because we keep seeing 
this effort by President Biden to try to get a deal, revive the nuclear deal that Donald Trump canceled with Iran. We see Iran constantly uh, making threats. They're going to kill Trump people who took out the General Soleimani. Uh, They're going to annihilate Israel in November. This is something that a lot of people haven't paid attention to in the in the news media, but there's an amazing federal indictment in Detroit that accuses two Iranian nationals with close ties to the Iranian government of hacking into a voter database and literally stealing 100,000 voter IDs out of one of the state's databases. Iran is definitely not acting like a country that wants to do a deal and be peaceful with the United States. How does this dynamic between Biden and Iran go on? Well, it's, we'll see what happens. I think there's a couple points to make here. First, what you raised is important for, I think, the American people to understand. Iran has, especially through its uh, main proxy force, uh, Hezbollah, which is a, um, a terrorist, a U.S.-designated ter- terrorist organization based in Lebanon, they've been on the record. There's FBI interviews. Anyone can look it up if they want that show uh, Iran and Hezbollah have said they have agents in the U.S., that they, at a time of their choosing, could potentially deploy to do other stuff. We know that Iran tried to assassinate the ambassador, yeah. uh, the Saudi ambassador, at a restaurant in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. That's right, out of so Bear. Is, yeah. yeah, exactly. So these are, so Iran, it's, um, Iran doesn't uh, just try and threaten its own neighbors. It also, I think, if you uh, study what their leaders say and kind of and look at some of their actions, they consider they call uh, the United States the great Satan for a reason and Israel the little Satan, but America is the great Satan to them. So I think this is an important point um, for the American people to understand. Also, I would say in terms of the nuclear negotiations and with President Biden and Iran, we'll see. I think what I think some people who are opponents of the nuclear deal feel is that out of a an effort just to get a deal that just to, to revive the old deal that the, the U.S. could make certain concessions. And in Iran, what their negotiating strategy seems to be is they're ramping up their enrichment of uranium. Uh, they're getting closer to uh, 90%, which is weapons level. And I think what they're trying to do is, is pressure the United States to say, oh, no, we can't. Iran is close to the bomb. We've got to do, just make some deal just to stop them. Yeah. And the problem um, is obviously what that final deal is. If you talk to a lot of Republican members of Congress and uh, a lot of experts kind of from from especially from think tanks kind of that both lean to the left and the, and the right, they acknowledge the nuclear deal in its original form has sunset clauses that if even if the deal is revived to its original form, expire in the next few years. So if the, actually President Biden, if he's not reelected uh, in 2024, would be setting up his uh, successor into be in a really tough spot because that successor will have to make some tough decisions with um, limits on Iran's ability to um, enrich uranium and the centrifuges that use the machines to enrich the uranium. When those limits expire, the U.S. is really going to find itself in another crisis again. So it's this is a long-term challenge. It's not just something that can be kicked down the road. And we'll see what President Biden does. But I think it's uh, these are... This isn't just a here and now. It's not it's not an issue that could be looked at in the sense of uh, presidential cycles. It's got to be looked at in the broad term for what's uh, the long term health of the country, our national security, frankly. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. These are big issues, though. They really are. 
And, um, there, you know, there seemed to have been a moment where Iran was getting put back in the box a little bit, and they seem to be out and around now and back stirring and causing trouble. So fascinating to watch. Um, as we look out over the next few weeks, Aaron, what sort of things are you looking? What are the big news stories we should all be watching? So I'm looking at a big of everything, definitely with Iran, with you mentioned the nuclear deal, because it seems we keep hearing from senior officials um, in the Biden administration, Secretary of State uh, Antony Blinken and others, we only have a few weeks left to make a deal. There's there's kind of a, a clock running out on this. So yeah. is there do we have no deal? And then Iran is kind of we'll see with what, what Iran does or do we just try and make a deal that is potentially not in the long term interest of the United States? Or do they somehow work some magic and make a deal that's mutually beneficial? We'll we'll see. But I think that issue in the next few weeks could very well come to a head. I'm, I mean, I'm always looking at, uh, I kind of cover everything under the sun. So whether it's, it's cultural issues, whether I'm with the Ukraine, one thing um, with Ukraine and Russia, one thing I'm interested in is how China responds, because I think China is watching and seeing, obviously it's how it approaches Taiwan. I think how we deal with the Russia-Ukraine situation has important implications, not just in that region, but uh, d- domestically, I think I'm going to be following up on these stories with the potential of amending the Constitution, with the potential of the Postal Service and kind of seeing if they respond to more of my inquiries. I think if wherever there's people that need to be held accountable, I'm uh, looking to, to write a story on that. <laughs> well, you do some great work. We're so lucky to have you here. It's been like getting a big uh, injection of Red Bull in, in the newsroom, having you here and doing all the great work you do. And we're so grateful and try to get you on this podcast often because you're, you're breaking really consequential stories. We're so grateful for that. I really appreciate that. I won't tell the viewers I paid you $50 to say that. <laughs> That's all right. We'll get it. We'll, we'll get it out of you no matter what. All right, Aaron, have a good weekend. All right. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm happy to be here with Justin. It's, it's, uh, it's a privilege. Uh, we're happy to have you. We really are. Thanks, my friend. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, yep, we're going to wrap things up for the weekend right after this quick commercial break. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back. Glad to be back from the commercial break. We're going to wrap things up here in a second. But before we do, I want to remind you of my good friends at Wild Alaskan Company. They are one of my favorites. In fact, this weekend, I'm a bachelor this weekend. My family's away 
in Florida. Some people may have heard the funny story about me losing my hamster on the TV show. My babysitting my son's hamster. He got out of the cage. Oh, my God. I had to get a stethoscope to find the darn thing roaming on the floor in my house. We found him. But anyways, I'm batching it this week. And you know what I'm going to be cooking on the grill this weekend? Because I don't cook many things well, but I do cook fish well. I've got a new shipment from my friends at Wild Alaskan Company. It is delicious salmon. Sockeye salmon is my absolute favorite. I love the halibut, and I love the prawns I get. I get a monthly box. You should, too. They're amazing. Pacific halibut. Man, that is such good fish. So if you want to get healthy, get fit, get sustainable seafood, the best, really the best you're going to ever get. The taste is captured in the package, frozen right away after it's caught. Well, here's what you do. You go to wildalaskancompany.com slash justnews. One more time, wildalaskancompany.com slash justnews. You go there, you're going to get $15 off your first box. This subscription food product is the best long before Amazon. And that Wild Alaskan Company has been serving America with great food. This is the best seafood you're going to get. I mean... The flavor, the taste, the texture. You feel like you're going to the high-end seafood restaurant in your favorite town. These guys have it right. They sponsor the show. They support us here at Just the News and John Solomon Reports. And you know what you can do? If you want to support our journalism, you want more stories like the Hunter Biden business partner favoritism story we wrote this morning then do me a favor. This weekend, because you're going to be hungry, supposed to warm up a little bit in the East Coast here, go right now to wildalaskancompany.com slash justnews. Go buy one of these boxes. Get the subscription going. You'll get some great food on your table real quickly. You'll be grilling out, smiling, like I'm going to be on my back deck this Saturday afternoon. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. So glad you joined us all week long. I hope we lived up to your expectations. It gave you some news, not noise. Gave you some facts and information, not indoctrination. That's our goal, and we are so grateful for everything that you do. May God bless you, and may God bless this incredible country of the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact, 
and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.